The cream rises to the top. If you build it, they will come. Content is king, and so on. We've heard all the cliches, but the problem is they are totally wrong. Even the best idea, product or project will fall flat if it isn't communicated effectively. On the Figures or Speech podcasts, hosts Tammy Palazzo and Tim Wickstrom talk to a wide range of amazingly successful executives, business owners, and leaders about how learning to communicate changed their lives and their fortunes. Every episode gives us stories we can emulate and lessons we can follow. Monica, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. I want to start out by getting our listeners to know a little bit more about you because you have a really interesting background. You did something that is a little bit different in that you started your career in biotech before you founded your company, WellSeek, and you really made a big transition going from being a serious scientist to becoming an entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about how you did that. Yeah, so um, so when I first went into biotech, you know, well, actually, let's go back to when I actually went to college, right? Um, I went into that field because I, I had some personal events that happened um, in my life that kind of made me want to understand the way health and life all kind of came together. My mom actually almost passed away when she was 12 after giving birth to my sister. It was a very kind of freak accident when that happened. And I, you know, 12, it's a very impressionable age, right? You're barely, you know, a teenager. You're just trying to understand who you are as a person. And that really obviously affected the way I wanted to pursue, you know, what I wanted to do in life. So when that happened, I figured, okay, well, I'm really good at math. I'm really, you know, really into science. I'm going to do bioengineering. So I ended up in college, like at UCSD, UC San Diego, studying that. Um, and I said, well, I really like what I'm doing. So I'm going to stay on for my PhD. And so I stayed on uh, for that. And I ended up in this very niche area called metabolic engineering. This totally sounds like very complicated and I'm, yeah, but it's, but in essence, what it is, is I played with a lot of computer models of data to understand the way like our genomics and metabolism all interacted to help, you know, to how do you, how do you understand it? So you, so we understand the way your health works. So then from there, I went into early stage, like R and D research and development in a biotech company. So I thought, oh, great. You know, I get to study exactly what I thought I was meant to do in this world, you know, that was my purpose. Like I really wanted to understand how to develop more, you know, better therapeutics. And, and somewhere along the line, I just felt, you know, I'm really far upstream from directly helping people. You know, I'm kind of like sitting on my computer, geeking out over all this stuff. And I was like, where am I really helping people? Where am I really making an impact? And so I very irresponsibly decided one day, well, actually it was a course of a few months, <laughs> but I, I said, okay, I'm going to leave science and try to do something different. There has to be a better way to help people understand this information of health. And so I quit and I started a company called WellSeek. And honestly, I had no business model. I had no, <laughs> like, I had no, no idea. idea what I was doing. I just said, I want to help people seek wellness. That was it. That was the feeling that I had. And I kind of went off of that and ended up being this, you know, four year process of really kind of 
understanding how to build a business, understanding, you know, how do you connect with people and then building, you know, opportunities around that based on people's needs and, and really pivoting a lot um, in those last four years and then ending up where I am at now, which is, so now what I do is I work with um, a lot of nutrition and health professionals that are communicate their message through their brand and the storytelling in their brand and so that they can effectively connect with their community of people. So if I help more of them, I can help more people. So that was kind of the idea around that. And then I also um, created a media company and a media platform called the WellSeek Collective where we publish with these health professionals that I work with and to help spread their message to help more people. So that's kind of how it all came about. You're really an underachiever, aren't you? (laughs) You got to have goals, right? Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have a lot of questions for you about this because you, you really bring so many interesting elements to the work that you're doing. First and foremost, obviously, you know, taking this really interesting passion that you had from a young age and the scientific background and really commercializing it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, in a really positive way to be able to help other professionals who might not be able to communicate their message in in an effective way. So I love that. And I want to talk more about that. But I first am really fascinated woman to woman. What was it like as a female founder in this space? Well, (laughs) it was definitely a learning curve. Um, In the very beginning, all I knew was science. Right. And that's all that was the only thing I knew. So the connections that I had were, you know, obviously the biotech execs and investors in that space, mostly male, you know, Uh (laughs) I remember this story distinctly because I remember telling this person, (laughs) he was actually, you know, a very well respected biotech exec in our community. And I told him, well, this is what I want to do. I want to help people with their health. And, and he just kind of looked at me and said, Monica, this is a very noble thing that you're trying to do, but it's not a business. And I remember just like feeling so crushed. Like, I'm like, but I just really want to help people. Surely there's a business in helping people. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I mean, it's fine. Like I get it now because yeah, I didn't have a business model back then. And I had to learn that through a lot of trial and error. But I will say, you know, being in kind of more of that science and then kind of moving into the health technology space eventually um, for a little bit, you know, you you kind of see a lot of narratives and I'm sure that's one of your favorite words. Yes. (laughs) That's really driven by like functionality and features and you know it's like this is the best technology in x y and z way and it's not humanized and when it comes to healthcare and when you're talking about you know the fact that we're talking you know we want to help save people's lives people want to be cared for and that's really where i ended up connecting more with these individual health professionals who need that help in you know, kind of communicating what their origin story is, you know, what drove them to want to help people. And and that's really that underlying message that I want to help come across because, you know, every, every health professional is going to connect differently with someone else, right? Like you're not, yeah. So, so that's really um, where I ended up, I, I guess, um, yeah, I, I totally went on a tangent, but I, think <laughs> I, I, brought, I guess like I didn't thrive in that kind of more male-driven, like, 
this is cool because of X, Y, and Z. And I found myself in a more maybe emotional, you know, aspect of marketing, which is a little more, I don't know, female driven. And guess what? I work with like 90 in an industry of dietitians and nutrition professionals, which is like 98% women. <laughs> and it works for me because I connect better with them. Of course. So if you had to, have you raised money for your company? Have you gotten uh, venture capital? No. So, so I did raise a small round um, in an initially in for the health tech side. And so that's really where I kind of got the gears going for um, understanding like the marketplace and all of that. But that side of my business basically subsided because I, I pivoted towards more consulting and brand work and then now um, evolving into media companies. So yeah, I did have that initially, but yeah, when it comes to investment, when the time is right to really scale that side of my business up, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. <laughs> got it. Got it. For sure. Yeah. Do you feel like you've always had the ability to tell a story? You're a great communicator, no question about it. And I wonder, was that always there for you? Did you feel like you always knew how to do that? Or was that something that you had to work on more as you got decided to really shift gears into having your own company? Good question. Okay, I'm going to dive into my childhood. <laughs> We're going to start our therapy session now, Monica. Tell us what it was like to be a child as Monica. Yes. No, well, as a child, I was so into Nancy Drew. Did you read Nancy Drew? <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. I just love detective stories. And I, I was in second grade. I remember thinking, I am going to become a Nancy Drew detective story writer. That's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> so I remember like I would read a ton. And then this is back in the day when we had those IBMs. Like my, you know, all I could do was type. And I remember, I'm like, okay, I don't have any computer games, but I'm going to type these books and I'm going to try to narrate my own stories from them. So I think that kind of seeded that idea that I was going to somehow be a writer and a storyteller. <laughs> and <laughs> but then I ended up in science, but I think that was very much driven by personal reasons. I want to share one thing with you and I want to see how it relates to you. So my origin story is that I was really shy and introverted as a kid and was really terrified to talk to people. I mean, terrified. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom would say, call so-and-so on the phone and make plans to get together. And I'm like, I don't want to call anybody on the phone. And as I got older and I started working, I obviously had to communicate more and I had to present and do things like that. And it was really hard for me because I was very shy and very insecure about my ability to, to speak. And it was a real barrier for me. And I knew that I could only get so far in my career if I couldn't communicate and I had the great opportunity to meet Tim who trained me and then all of a sudden we're starting this company that's, you know, communications skills app. But for you, was your ability to communicate always something that was strong for you or was it something that you had to, you had to really work on to be able to sell your message? I mean, you're bringing clients on, you, you did convince some people to raise money. Was that something that came easily to you or did you have any challenges with that? I think I've always been very comfortable with communicating. Um, I think just even through my training as um, an undergrad, through grad, grad school, and then as a scientist, I had to do a lot of presentations. I have presented a lot in conferences. And, and I will say, like, I hate, I hate speaking in public. I still do. My heart <laughs> palpitates like crazy, but, you know. As you it do does it. for all of us. <laughs> 
right? I mean, I'm sure you guys Always. still get nervous every time you have to go in front of the stage. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just had, I put myself in those opportunities. Like, or I, I just did it because I knew I had to practice and, and make it happen. As far as the storytelling aspect, I think that's how I, that story I mentioned about Nancy Drew. I just love stories. I love the way they bring me into a new world. And it makes me imagine how I feel and how I'm part of this, you know, this other world. And um, I always just really appreciated that aspect. And if you really think about the way our world is driven, people connect with people with stories, you know, like they don't connect with facts. And if you're going to be able to help people, you have to influence them. And in order to influence them, you need to have a way to relate to them through the stories that you tell. So yeah, that's, I think that's kind of where it all falls together or comes together. I agree. I love hearing your origin story. Of course, I know Tammy's and it's one of those things that really grounds us, right? And I think it's a foundation. So about your origin story, when you talk about the storytelling and your fascination at a young age from a very personal experience of your mother and the the knowledge of science, wanting to understand the DNA of how things work, to me, when you look back on it, it makes perfect sense for for me to see where you are today, you really wanted to help people straight out of the gate, not be so far removed. And you're in a position now where you're a media branding company and mogul and trying to really help people position themselves. And scientific speak is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, we know that because a lot of what we do is, as you know, we work on how you deliver the message. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And we work with a lot of individuals in the medical community, pharmaceutical companies, medical speakers. And there's just that very tough challenge sometimes of getting out of the story of the data and moving it to that, to that emotional state. I couldn't agree with you more. You, we, we remember the emotional intensity around the story. How do you help your clients when you're talking with them to position their brand, position their, their business, their point of view, how do you help support them in telling that story, that side of it, translating the technical to the emotional? Yeah, I mean, what you just said, it hits the nail, like on the head, right? You have to know where you come from, that origin, that purpose. And I think I keep going back to that. I keep talking about that because I know that's where it grounds me. Like anytime I get asked a question, I don't think about what I need to say. I think about what is the intent behind the answer I'm going to say, which usually comes from some kind of origin or purpose that is deep within me. So that actually goes to my first step, which is really about finding your purpose. Like I, there's so like people just think about their profession or their knowledge as this is what I do. And that's not how it goes. There's always a reason why you got to the point that you are at. And so really helping them dig through and find that little seed, right? It's like, what was it that helped you kind of start sprouting these new ideas? And then you find the path right? To where you got to now, and then you can speak your truth. And that's how you're able to articulate in the most genuine, authentic way, why you want to help people, because that's what people connect with in the first place. It's, well, why do you care? Why do you care to help me? You know, not what you can help me with. Yeah, absolutely. There's the tactical side, right? And then there's the very personal innate piece. I, I, 
I feel like I need to tell my own origin story. Everybody has done that. So I, I was this kid who sat on a milk crate while my mom worked in a cafeteria. And I was fascinated. My sort of aha was I was fascinated at how she would interact with people very differently and get a very different outcome. And it just always made my mind go crazy. And, and I've always continued to do that. I'm that wallflower that sits in the corner, I'd rather observe than participate, to be quite honest with you. So I still suffer from that stage fright like everybody else. But I'm fascinated by what create, what causes one person to react from someone else and how you can either make that connection or understand the things that you're doing that are, that are sort of keeping you from connecting. And even if I've got a really good purpose and I understand my purpose, there's always still a challenge with how I'm sharing that how I'm delivering that. Can you share or would you share an example of when you sort of struggled sharing your message, uh, struggled in how you were taking that purpose that you found for yourself and trying to share that with others and get them on board? What did you experience and sort of how did you overcome that? Well, I mean, I think uh, in the beginning as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's this notion that you're just trying to well, at least for me, coming from a scientist background, I was just thinking about technology. I was thinking about function. What is the function and um, service that will be provided without really thinking about what is the problem that I am trying to solve? What are the needs of the people that I need to help? So I think when I was focusing on that aspect in the beginning, then you're just kind of like throwing a bunch of darts right? <laughs> in the yeah. dark. You're like, okay, I think they might be interested in this. It looks like the market's going in this direction. Let's go with that. <laughs> but then it wasn't until I really sat down and started talking individually with these health professionals and really getting to know their pain, their, you know, their issues and what, you know, why do they feel the way they feel? And it was really through that process that helped me start connecting the dots of, you know, how to better, you know, like tell the way I can help them by understanding exactly how I can solve a need for them. That makes perfect sense. And it's, I agree. It's like, how do I really customize this and hit the, hit your pain point? For example, we all have our own experiences and they're not all the same pain points by, by any stretch. Is there a particular medium within, within your clients that you work with that you find to be more successful for them? So in other words, how do you, do they sort of resonate with a particular approach or a medium of communication that's, that's getting their message across? Well, when you say medium, like, are you thinking more in terms of like technologies, like a social media platform or just any? Social media, live, print, print, what, all of those mediums. Yeah. How do you work most with them? And are you finding any trends that they find most success in? Honestly, I like to work with people in terms of what their strengths are. What are they most comfortable with? If you don't like to write, don't do it. <laughs> you know? If you're much more you know, comfortable with speaking, let's go find some podcasts that you can be a guest on. Um, you know, like it, it all comes back to their innate traits and strengths. Because if you're, I mean, obviously you can build new strengths, but especially in the beginning when you're starting out and you just don't have that much confidence in the first place. It's better to just work with what you have and be resourceful with that 
and then gaining the confidence from that. And then, okay, I'm going to add a new strength. I am going to learn how to write better. <laughs> and, and then you kind of add that. So I kind of take a very, I guess, kind of a nurturing approach, but you know, I think it's a realistic way of helping them rather than saying, go do this social media, go do that, you know, because <laughs> then it just becomes too overwhelming, especially when you don't have that much time. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. You know, I'm, I'm interested to delve a little bit deeper into your own pathway, how you got to where you're at today. So when you talk about, we've talked a lot about your purpose and being mission driven and your purpose, and that's, that's your fuel that pushes you through every day. How would you describe your learning curve from transitioning from that scientific place into the place you're at today? So whether it's on a podcast or it's in front of an investor, it's in front of one of your clients, what was that learning curve like for you and how did you tackle that knowing that you need to be able to make a shift here, but also now help your clients in a lot of ways you're coaching them. You're trying to help guide them. How did you make that learning curve happen for yourself and then translate that to your folks that you work with? You know, I think it's kind of this push and pull of just taking action, but then not expecting an immediate success because I think we all kind of have that inside of us, right? <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're gonna do it. And it's gonna be a hit right away. Or we want, you know, that's something we want. And when we don't see that, I think people get a little discouraged. And, and so for me, I think it's more of a mindset game. It's, you know, it's more of a, what are the little mind tricks that you can play with yourself to reshift your perspective so that you can take that next step forward, even if you did not do, you know, what you intended to do on the previous step. So tactics, I think, you know, they're great. You know, they're, they provide a structure, they provide an action plan to move forward, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have the mindset to keep going and finding the next best or next, you know, the most resourceful way to move on to the next step. So I know it's a little vague, but, <laughs> but yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit away from this. And I'd like to know from you, because we're always interested in hearing about our guests' personal habits around this. What's your favorite mediums for consuming information? What do you find that you do the most? Read, listen, what are your faves there? I consume a lot of media and perhaps that's why I've become a media company. <laughs> um, I love reading articles and stories about people and what drives them to do what they do in the way where it is much more um, of a narrative where I understand, you know, why, what motivates them to do what they do and then giving them more actionable steps that pertain to that motivation. So yeah, I, I definitely consume and read a lot of like articles in that way. Um, I also love podcasts. Um, this is more recent, I would say, probably because I've become a guest on some <laughs> and I have to kind of learn <laughs> how that all that works, but I love it. It's, it's so nice to just hear the way people speak. Um, you really get a sense for their personality and it humanizes them, you know, like it, and that's really, a, you know, at the end of the day, whatever product or service that you're trying to offer someone, you know, if you're a company or you're just a solopreneur, 
like they're, we're all human, you know, we want to just know like the other person at the other end providing that service cares. So when you can hear their voice, it just makes you feel like, okay, like this is a real person who might actually give a shit. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> it's all right. We curse on our podcast. <laughs> we're keeping it real here. <laughs> we're in New York. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I love that. And I agree with you. We were, we were on another podcast talking to someone else and one of the things that I shared was that I feel like my brain chemistry has changed because I used to be a big reader and now I love to listen. And I think it's a lot of the same things that you're talking about. I noticed for myself, I like, I like hearing people's stories. And, and it's interesting that I used to be a big fiction reader and now I never read fiction. I don't hardly read anything anymore because I don't have the time to do it. But I really am much more interested now in memoirs and biographies and podcasts because it allows me to hear people, especially in their own words, tell their story. And do you find that, that you think that there's a shift there? I mean, you are certainly an expert in the space when you think about where you're sending your clients, but do you think that there's a change happening that people are shifting away from print and that the ability to hear someone's voice, just like you said, hear their, their story in their own words is becoming more common? Oh, absolutely. I think it's just about having that just knowing that other people have that life experience and being able to hear it for themselves. And because you can hear more emotions behind the way someone speaks, actually through the brand work that we do. So the way it works is we, we provide like a questionnaire and exercises for them to do. And then we jump on an interview with them because the way they write is going to be very different from the way they speak and the way they verbalize it. And you get so much more out of that interview from that person when you ask certain questions and you, you hear, you know, the way, you know, they describe a situation and you really get inside their head from that. And I think that's what, you know, listening to a podcast can do. You feel like you actually got inside that person's head and understood their motivations behind, you know, why they would say the things they said or why they've done the things they've done. Who are some of the, your favorite speakers who, who, you know, when you see that someone is either doing a TED talk or they're on TV or there's an opportunity to hear them speak that you would, you're just, you know, you don't want to miss the opportunity to hear them. Who are some of those people? Well, I can definitely tell you my favorite TED talk is Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> I love Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh my God. She's amazing. <laughs> I love the TED talk that she did when she, I, I still remember this and, you know, probably because as storytellers, it, it just, you know, when you, when you find that burst of inspiration, you know, the way she described it, which was like, I'm trying to remember, she, she described it as something that just kind of like comes at you, like it's rolling at you, right? You, you feel like an idea is coming at you and you're like, totally. oh my God, I need to catch it somehow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, it's flying over my head and I just missed it. And That's I think so, so funny. Cool. Because right now, like, or every time I'm in the car, that always happens when I'm driving. <laughs> That's my next business, by the way. And I know that they have a very simple thing like a recorder on a phone that can do this. But I want a way to figure out how you can capture ideas in a really robust way when you're in the car driving, when you're doing all that thinking. I, I love that. 
Sign me up. <laughs> uh, okay, we can we can go off and, and start that business. So, have, what about you in doing a TED Talk? Where where are you in that journey? Well, I have been thinking about that. I actually worked with someone and in terms of developing an idea around what I've been, you know, what I've been doing for the last couple of years. I actually wrote an article on Thrive Global that kind of summarizes what that talk will be. And Ariana Huffington actually shared it out on her personal LinkedIn, which wow. is really cool. Wow. Okay, we're lucky to have you on our show, Monica. <laughs> well, I'm lucky to be here. No, this has been such a fun conversation just to be with fellow storytellers and people who just kind of geek out over the systematic ways in which yes. people and Not that many people geek out over this stuff, let me say. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what we geek out over. You know, it's interesting because Tim and I are very much coming at it from two different perspectives. And I shared my my origin story with you, which was I wasn't a really good speaker and I never really understood the mechanics that go into being an effective communicator, but I write and I love to tell stories through writing. And it's funny because when I was a kid, I always had this idea that I would be the next Oprah. <laughs> and I did <laughs> not happen. do that. <laughs> it still never happened. But you know, I love the idea. I, you know, it's, really funny and most of the people who listen to this will have no idea who this is and you might even be too young but once upon a time before Oprah there was Phil Donahue oh I know who he is I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm older okay. than you look by the way so you want to talk about being a geek I was like a 19 year old college student who had a mad crush on white hair and Phil Donahue because he was doing exactly what I was passionate about was getting people, and before anybody else was doing it, getting people to really exchange these heavy ideas and to tell stories. And he he was really good at kind of probing underneath the surface, not in the super uber emotional way that Oprah did, but in his own really interesting style. He wasn't your typical journalist or newscaster or, you know, like pundit. He, he really had a, a very special way, I thought, of connecting. And I went, I went and saw the Phil Donahue show twice in person. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Anyway, I never did become Oprah or Phil or anyone like that. But now, you know, I guess I am now because I get to tell a story on, on a podcast. But I have always been really passionate about being able to write. And, you know, I've had blogs and have written and told very intimate pieces of my own story. And I think it's interesting because my challenge always was, how do I tell that story in a more broad way? Because it was easy enough to write it for me, but I can't speak it. And when I think about what you're doing for people, I come back to what you said before, as I try to go where their strengths are. But I feel like there's a lot of stories that aren't getting told because, you know, Tim being the yang of my yin or the yin of my yang will say, I can't write my story. I can't do that. So I wonder how you deal with people who are struggling. Either they're afraid to talk to people. They wouldn't go on and do a podcast because of their own anxieties, or they don't have the skills to write. How do you help to cultivate that in them and motivate and inspire them to kind of get past maybe some of their own fears around that? You know, I think it's twofold. I think first, it's really hard to stare at a blank piece of paper or 
docs right <laughs> on your screen. So if people just had an understanding of the structure in which a story can be told or the way an article can better, you know, serve um, or better emphasize and talk about an issue, then, and they just had question prompts to do it, then it's easy. It's systematic. They just have to answer a question, right? So oftentimes when I help people, I like to provide like a lot of content structures. So it kind of breaks down what they need to say. And then from there, you can kind of formulate that. And then it's just about giving them that confidence that, you know, like what they have said, it's authentic. Therefore, it is true to you. And it is amazing, no matter what you think, like, don't worry about what you think other people want to read. People want to read what is true for you. And I think they need to get past that fear that because I think people are always looking externally, thinking, well, what should I write? Well, write from what's in your heart, not from what you think someone else wants to see. I love that. I swear I'm going to become your biggest fan because I think that's such an important thing for people to understand that, and whether it's writing or public speaking, that that level of authenticity, there's this idea that what I'm going to say has to be this or that, and it's not exceptional enough. And the ability to truly and authentically tell your story. And, you know, as, as startup founders, we've gone through exercises where we've had to tell our origin story. And you know, you're like, is it interesting enough? Like, do I have really a good origin story? Like, uh, you know, it's more than just wanting to start a company because I figured it would be a cool thing to do. Like, is my origin story compelling enough? And is it meaningful enough to make people care and I'm kind of like you I think every story is interesting because everybody has a story everybody has a story and I, I love the fact that you're helping people get under the hood of that and extract it from them and it makes me so fascinated still how you go from being a PhD science nerd to being a storyteller, like even though it was always inside of you, the ability to make that leap is so fascinating to me because those are two, in my opinion, completely opposite skill sets. <laughs> Complete, like either you're good at math or you're good at verbal. You're not good at both. So I want to know, are you a prodigy? Like what, what's the deal? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's very flattering, but I, I really don't, I, for me, I just, I love communicating. I love it when I see that light bulb uh, go off in someone else's eyes, head, whatever it is, and so that they connect. Maybe the root of everything that I do is just about connection. And sure, I explored science for a while where I got that, you know, I was an engineer and a scientist. It was very like logical and rational. And, and so that actually helped me compartmentalize my thoughts in a more structured way so that I can break down problems. The scientific side sort of helped you put the construct around it. Exactly. So now you understand, like, I mean, you guys are doing that for communications. You know, it's about the mechanistic understanding of how things work, because how else are you going to replicate that process and continue? improve and make it more efficient. That's so true. And I, I all of this is that we're going to all geek out in our own little <laughs> ways because the end of my yang is very true. Tammy's a phenomenal writer. And for me, the way you guys just talked about it is exactly how I feel as somebody who is not a very good writer. And I know I do better vocally. And I really understand 
how that impacts or creates what you would say is authentic or genuine. And we all have that same skill set, but it's really about breaking it down into the mechanics, much like you just described the, the flip side of knowing your story and owning it is what we look at in terms of the delivery side, which is how do you take that and then articulate it in a way that represents that authenticity. I often say to somebody, what's confident to one person's arrogant to somebody else. It's very subjective, but we're all feeding off the same signals and the same visual or vocal elements that gives us that impression. So when I think about this in, in context of what we do, I love that you help them find their purpose. We like to say that we help them articulate their purpose in that vocal and visual element, but really helping people figure out there's a structure to it. There's a mechanical process to this. It's all very repetitive. Once you learn the, the structure of how your body reacts when you're telling a story and when you get excited, sometimes you need to control that body. Yeah. <laughs> and other times you just need to let it run free once you understand the mechanics behind it, you can realize the practice, the more you practice those mechanics, the more you master them and you own it. So it really, I think I take us back to where we started off with, I'm amazed at how you transitioned from the scientific and the structure and the very, you know, what seems black and white about it to this bigger picture of telling your story and you're building your brand and the influence of the structure around it is always fundamental for both of us. We talk about how you convey it, you talk about how you convey it, as well as how you construct it. So I think there's an interesting match there in how you do what you do and we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's as you're talking about that, I can still remember, you know, as a grad student, I mean, I, when I, when people ask me, well, what did you do or what do you do? I would say, oh, I'm in metabolic engineering and systems biology, <laughs> integrating high throughput omics technologies with genome scale metabolic reconstructions. And it's like such a mouthful. And it's like, I probably geeked out over that. You know, I keep using that word, but like, really, I was just like, I love these words. It makes me feel so fancy. <laughs> you know? and, and maybe that's what happens with people, you know, when, when they are so logical and, you know, you guys help people, I'm sure you guys help people like in who are a lot more of that. Sorry. Is it left brain or right brain? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> They're left brain, left brain, left brain. Right. So, so when they think more along those lines, that's kind of the words or the structure that they will use. And, and now, yeah. And then just kind of coming, you know, just kind of taking it back and say, okay, what does this really mean? What is my purpose? Well, what I used to do was I put together data models to understand how our DNA and metabolism interact to make our living bodies work the way they do. It's much more much better elevator pitch. Oh my gosh. I can't understand that. Much better. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that you that you say what you said and what we hear all the time, especially in the scientific community, when we're working with pharma companies or with doctors, that they all always say, as long as I know my content, I'm fine. I just need to know my content. You know, I've got a slide I've got to present that's got all these, you know, studies data on it and lots of content. I just need to get to know that better and I'll be fine. And they really forget that they're the storyteller of this message, even in a really clinical environment, even when they are sharing with their peers 
the results of some type of trial, they still have to tell the story because the person who is listening to it, even though they too are a scientist, they're still a human being first. And I think people forget, and we know from our world, that people are delivering really crappy, boring information all day, every day. And that what makes it tolerable and palatable is the person who's delivering it and their ability to make it interesting or to appeal or connect with another human being. And I guess I'm going to continue to be fangirl on yours today. I love the fact that you were able to take what you struggled with yourself. You were passionate about the work that you were doing and really flip it and see that there's a way to communicate that message for all people in that community in a much more powerful and meaningful way and still get that important message across. And I think that's awesome because you certainly operate in a world where people are, can be very clinical and they forget that they have, they're humans first. We're all humans first. And I think we often forget, especially in the world of technology, that we have to still communicate as human beings and not just, you know, points of data on a piece of paper. I love that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really curious, like, how are you guys kind of changing that? I mean, I know you just mentioned, you know, you're much more of a storyteller, Tammy. And Tim, you're more of that mechanistic, structured engineering. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. That I'm was so a great glad assessment. this is recorded. That's yeah. the best assessment ever. <laughs> I'm curious, how are you guys like melding it all together? That's an interesting question. I love that. You know, for me, what... I'm just going to share it from my perspective. What really helps us meld that together is just the way we communicate first and foremost. I think part of what makes us work is we, we come into this recognizing it, right? And we, we took the time to discover and understand it. I mean, truth be told, Tammy and I latched onto each other at day one and we didn't really even know each other, but we were already in it. And for whatever reason, you think about those factors that make people sort of draw themselves to each other, they were there. And in a very interesting way, that's a large part of what we do, which is talk about how those things draw people together and you don't even know them. But I think what works from my perspective for us is how we communicate with each other and the respect we have around the communication. We're not perfect at it. We're not, you know, superheroes at it. I don't think anybody really is. But what we do is we care about that process and we nurture that process. We are like everybody else with the same successes and challenges, but I do think the way you pay attention to it and the respect you give the communication process, for me, it's a big part of how we, we make that work and it comes out in our product. It's a yeah. very big reflection in our software. Uh, you use the word nurturing as we're going through this and when you say that, I think of Tammy. She's very much that way and brings that influence into our software and you couple that with the mechanic side of we have to be able to, you know, give this point across, it, we're a yin and yang and a, the respect of the process is really important. Yeah, I think, I think it definitely makes us a standout in what we do and it's why we've been successful, quite frankly, both with our training as well as our technology because like Tim said, you know, Tim trained me. I couldn't do this. I, as I shared, had this huge fear 
and he helped me to find my voice and find my pathway. But then I took that and said, but wait a minute, I don't want to be like him because I can't authentically be him. I had to model him in order to find my voice, but then I realized I'm not like that. He's really good at certain elements of it, and I'm a little clunkier about it. When I train people or when I present, I am not, you wouldn't look at me and say, oh my God, she's polished and she's perfect and everything she does is just right. It's very authentic, but I know that I come across confidently and I can help people believe what I'm sharing with them because it usually is very authentic. And I think it goes into everything that we do that we always are taking the, the perspective, like Tim said, of there are mechanics and there are very specific ways that things need to be done, but we still have to be human beings. We still have to be human beings in, in how we do it. Oh my gosh. So nobody who's <laughs> listening to this is gonna know that Monica has a little adorable child, it looks like, <laughs> who is sneaking up on her. <laughs> I was like, shh, please. <laughs> well, in all fairness, Monica, we've really taken up yeah, a lot we're, of your we're, time. We're just about out of time anyway. <laughs> so it's perfect timing. It's the greatest way to break it up. I We can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on this podcast. Thank you for sharing your story, your perspective, and having such a great dialogue around communication and how we all bring our own unique purpose to it. So this has been a true pleasure. No, it's been so much fun talking with you guys. I mean, it's not often that you meet other people who just really have a passion for helping people connect with each other. And the only way to do it is through the words you speak. And I love what you guys are doing. Well, hopefully we're connected now and we'll stay connected. And we'd love to talk to you more after the podcast is over. But thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And we will be talking to you soon for sure. And I'm your big fan now. Big fans now. <laughs> <laughs>